Women Today. Hello and welcome to the programme. And this afternoon we are once again on the Conister Rock where we invite our guests to share with us music and memories. We also have an extensive archive which you can find on the Manx Radio website. It includes former chief ministers, authors, sports stars and musicians. And do keep your suggestions coming in. If there's someone you would like to hear on the rock, email us and let us know. It's womentoday at manxradio.com. Now, today's guest will be a very familiar voice to regular Manx Radio listeners, and you may have heard her just a moment ago doing what she does best. Born and bred in the south of the island, she is someone who really proves that you can take the girl out of the Isle of Man, but you can't take the Isle of Man out of the girl. Because despite having lived in the UK and for a year in America, she was determined to one day come home and take up her dream job. And that she did, proving that despite struggling with certain subjects at school, if you really want something and work hard for it, then you can achieve it. Well, we are more used to hearing your voice from Rollsway Met Office rather than seeing you in person, but it is so lovely to welcome you here today, Kirsty Pendlebury. Uh, how would you fancy being marooned on Conister Rock? Oh, this week in the sunshine, it wouldn't be too bad, would it? Although it looks a bit breezy out there at the moment, it has to be said. <laughs> um, I am fascinated to know, first of all, if um, you can ever go anywhere without somebody asking you about the weather. It's a bit like a GP always being asked <laughs> health-related questions, I'm guessing. Yeah, it is a little bit difficult, um, especially when I first moved home. I felt I needed to know what was going on with the weather all the time in case somebody asked me, but um, it's um, a lot easier now to switch off than when I first was here. But yeah, it is one of those um, occupational things. Unfortunately as well, it's very difficult to switch off because the British public are obsessed with the weather, aren't they? So they always I, want to talk about it. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it's a fail-proof conversation starter Mm -hmm. why is that do you think I don't know. I suppose it's um, it impacts a lot of people on their daily lives, whether they what they're going to do with their work or activities they want to do. So that's probably the main reason why I suppose we have very changeable weather, don't we? Especially on the Isle of Man. What is your favourite kind of weather? Um, sunshine. <laughs> Although having said that, because the Isle of Man's um, so lovely, I think even on a stormy day, actually, I quite like watching the waves splashing over. So either a really stormy day or a really nice sunny one. <laughs> have you chosen any songs this afternoon with a weather-related theme? I'm thinking thinking weather girls and thinking blame it on the weathermen um, not particularly actually a lot of these songs are important to me for various memories that they um, bring back to me when I hear them to be honest more than anything look forward to hearing those uh, as we go through the show this afternoon um, but I do want to ask you first of all before we we move into more of the background to you um, why did you want to be a weather forecaster um, well, very oddly, it was because I saw the film Twister. Um, when I was 11, my parents took me to the Palace Cinema and uh, we went to see the film Twister. And from that moment onwards, um, that's all I've ever wanted to do. And I've always been interested in um, weather since then and wanting to be a forecaster. Um, luckily, I haven't seen any flying cows, which is good news. <laughs> you weren't going to be one of those people who chase tornadoes? Um, it's still on the bucket list. I definitely want to get out there and see if I can see some. Um, some of my friends from um, England who I used to work with have been out there and done it. So it's definitely on the list. I've just not got there yet. (laughs) Well, Kirsty Pendlebury, I did mention that you were born and bred in the south of the island. Just tell us a little bit about your early years, those childhood memories that you remember. Yeah, I I'm, I'm spend a lot of time with my mum and dad. Um, I'm, there's, I'm an only child, so um, it was a lot of time with my parents. And um, also, particularly in the summer holidays, was a lot of time with my grandma. Um, she used to look after me a lot when my mum went back to work. Um, so we would quite often do day trips out. Um, we'd 
start off at Balasala, get the train to Douglas, horse tram along the promenade, electric car all the way up to Ramsey, um, and then a bus back through Peel, back to Balasala. So it was a full day out, um, normally with a lunch stop somewhere on the way um, as well. And uh, yeah, just really special memories for me, um, all going up to my uncle's farm as well and um, seeing the animals up there and playing with my younger cousins. When you look back, were the days always very sunny? You know, as they always are when you when you go back down memory lane. Yeah, my mum was recalling the other day, actually, one of the summers when I was about three or four, when um, apparently every day we used to get up, go down to the beach um, and spend all day there with um, my, my friends um, from across the road, neighbours, actually. Um, we used to play all day in the sun, have tea there, and then we used to get brought home and hosed out in the, uh, in the garden before we were let back in the house. So, yeah, I definitely do remember nice hot sunny summers. You went to Arbury Primary School. What sort of little pupil were you? Um, yeah, I'm not too bad, I don't think. Um, quite chatty. Um, <laughs> probably told to uh, stop chattering quite a lot, I would have imagined. But um, on the whole, I don't think I did too badly. Um, but uh, yeah, Aubrey was um, a great start for me and I have a lot of good fr- memories from there. Um, one of my really good friends from play school, or two of them actually, I'm still really good friends with today. Um, and so I've made some really lifelong friends there at Aubrey. Outside school, you did also enjoy many outings with Arbury Sunday School, including a memorable trip to Moorig Park. Oh yeah, the um, we used to go around the island on the Sunday School picnic, and we ended up at Moorig Park. And um, there was a rather unfortunate incident where um, the vicar was out in his um, like rowing boat, and I'm not sure exactly what happened if the oar fell in the in the lake or something, but he definitely got stranded on the middle of the lake at Moorig. And uh, yeah, someone had to go out and rescue him. Um, so that kind of delayed having the tea in the uh, in the hall afterwards but um, quite a humorous event anyway. (laughs) Well the other reason you are here uh, as well as sharing memories is to share with us some favourite pieces of music and we suggested there weren't any weather related ones although I suppose we could kind of push it with this uh, first track which is a Brian Adams one. Yeah um, I think if you asked any of my friends or my family uh, what would be my favourite song this is probably the one that they would go with. Um, Basically um, I don't really know when I became interested in Brian Adams but it was fairly young um, and especially on my 18th birthday and this song was my absolute favourite at the time and on that day uh, we went to um, the pub as you do on your 18th and uh, this song was on repeat on the jukebox by me (laughs) so my friends hear it and I think they still probably think of me now
Brian Adams, Summer of 69. That used to be your ringtone, did it? <laughs> yeah, it did, actually, yeah, for quite a long time. <laughs> um, and you also got up quite early to queue for tickets when he came over here. Yeah, um, I did make my boyfriend at the time get up at four o'clock in the morning <laughs> to come and queue with me, but we were second in the line and we were on the second row on the floor at the villa right there. I could almost touch him, Beth. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> queuing early for things clearly runs in the family because your mum was quite up early recently to get some tickets, wasn't she? Yeah, for a certain Gary Barlow, three or three thirty in the morning, I think it was, she got up. There was no way she was missing out on those tickets, that's for sure. <laughs> You're listening to Conister Rocks here on Manx Radio. We'll be back in just a moment. Women today. And this is Conister Rocks. Lovely to have you with us. Our guest is the weather forecaster, Kirsty Pendlebury. And Kirsty, we've heard what you were like at primary school. After that, you moved to Castle Russian. What was that time like for you? Um, I really enjoyed my time at Castle Russian. I, I made a lot of um, really good friends there, which I'm, I'm, a couple of them I'm still really good mates with today. Um, and always have been really supportive for me, especially because, in, to a certain extent, high school wasn't the best for me, particularly as I got towards A levels. Um, part of the issue with knowing what you always want to do as a job is that, unfortunately, if you're struggling to get to that, um, then it's it becomes quite a challenge. And um, when I was doing my A levels, I had to do um, I needed AS maths and physics. Uh, well, a-level maths and physics really to get onto my degree um, and maths was never really my strong point um, so I actually failed my maths AS twice um, I went to the head teacher and, and, and begged and said please can I stay another year when all my friends are going to uni I know but can I stay another year can I try again I really want this and I really want to go and do this degree um, and she let me and I do remember one of my teachers at the time actually saying to me you failed it twice before what makes you think that you can do it a third time and don't know sometimes maybe you need somebody to say something like that to you to really make you go actually I'm going to prove to you I can do it actually because it's what I want to do. Was there ever a point there where you thought actually I'll just give up and I'll think of another career path is there anything else you would have wanted to do? Well that was the problem I really there wasn't really anything else I wanted to do someone said to me why didn't you go with the grade you've got you could go and you could be a teacher and like going to university for me was never going to university for the experience really it was more because I wanted to go to get the qualification to do the job I wanted to do so um, I think I'd have really struggled to have thought up a new path for myself really if I hadn't have managed to get through it the third time but luckily I did so, it's so it was third time lucky and you did yeah. well didn't you yeah I went from a fail to um, a grade c and then I was two marks off a b put in for a remark and they found the two marks and I got upgraded so um from fail to a b in a in a whole year that's not too bad really that it? is incredible I think it's time now for your second piece of music because it kind of seems to fit in with what you've just been talking about there and this is another one that was a ringtone for you <laughs> yeah and um, this one has been a really important song for me for quite a few things and I think for a lot of other people the words are probably quite meaningful as well um but it's um it's kelly clarkson and it's what doesn't kill you makes you stronger you know the bed feels warmer sleeping here Kill you makes you stronger
Kelly Clarkson, What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. And uh, we we're just talking about uh, your struggle to get uh, the maths grade that you needed, but you did incredibly well in the end to get a B. I just want to know whether the teacher who questioned you going for it for a third time, saying there was no point, considering you failed twice, um, did you ever sort of, you know, say anything <laughs> to her about that? Uh, in fairness, I didn't really have to. She came back to me at the end of the year and said, um, I'm really glad that you've proven me wrong. And I have bumped into her on the island since I've been back and working at Ronald's Way. And she said, oh, I see you finally got where you wanted to. So, um, yeah, I think I proved her proved her wrong quite well there. <laughs> um, we have a text in. If you'd like to get in touch this afternoon, it's wonderful six, wonderful seven. I don't know if this means anything to you. I love the banter between Kirsty and Chris Williams, but he really does need to get Kirsty that tiny tears. <laughs> Yeah, he really does need to get me that tiny tears. Um, I always told him I'm one of the presents that I've always wanted for Christmas from my mum and dad, which I've never, ever been given, um, is a tiny tear. So I feel a little bit deprived that I was never, ever given one. Um, and my mum actually nearly resorted to buying me one for my 25th birthday when we were away and stood in Hamleys in in, in um, London. Um, but she, in the end, I was like, no, it's all right. Don't worry about it. So I have been guilting her a bit about it. And Chris knows about that. So he, kept, he keeps promising me one. He told me what he sent it for Christmas four years ago I'm still waiting it must have got lost in the post oh just tiny tears at your crying at the moment because of the lack of that if mum's listening you know maybe this Christmas needs to be the time um, anyway so we've heard about um, you at secondary school you then did go on to university you went to to Reading and I just um, want to know what it was like for you having come from such a close-knit family how you found that first move away from home um Reading is a really nice place and the university was a campus university so that was good it was very green it had a lovely lake on it and um, ducks and stuff so it felt a lot more rural than it actually was because Reading's really quite a built-up city and um it was relatively straightforward to get home, which was good, but um, I did really struggle and miss my family and miss home. Um, I mean, technology these days helps a lot more. It was still a little bit more in its infancy then, so I was able to sort of Skype my parents and speak to them and get to see them, which made it a lot easier. But generally speaking, I'm a very homely bird. I always have been, and it is, it is quite hard going away to university. And um, I wasn't the sort of party girl at uni, really. I did work hard. I had a part-time job as well. Um, so most of my time was with my head in my books trying to make sure that I got through the degree really more than anything um, so I did find it quite difficult being away from the old man and took any opportunity really to try to get back. And what was the degree? 
Um, it was um, a BSc, a Bachelor of Science in Meteorology, um, with a foundation science year beforehand. So I had to do that because I didn't have that full A level in maths. So I only had the AS. So um, yeah, but um, ultimately it was one of the best places, or it was the place in the country to study. It's the only place that does straight meteorology and had very good links with the UK Met Office as well. So that was my main drive to go to uni- to Reading and to study it there, really. Were there many other women studying at the time? Yeah, there was actually on um, my year, it was the, the one of the first few years where actually there was more um, ladies on it than there were men. So um, it was sort of definitely an up and coming sort of thing with the science side that there were more girls getting interested in it as well, which was good. Now, once you graduated, you moved to a small town called Moscow in Idaho in mm-hmm. the USA. How did that come about? Um, I um, One of my friends had said to me, oh, when you get this letter through the post from the Outland government um, about uh, the Ella Rollison Scholarship, you need to apply for it. So I was like, all right, OK. And um, my friend had applied for it and been for the interview and not quite got it. Um, so I put my application in about um, how I was Manx and how I loved like, living on the Isle of Man and I could promote it as an ambassador. And um, I remember getting a phone call on the afternoon after the interview saying, um, oh, do you fancy an, um, an early Christmas present because you're going to Idaho in August? And then I was suddenly like, oh, OK. I hadn't really thought about the fact that I might actually win it and be going off to the like this place in the middle of America to live for a year. But um, yeah, it was one of the hardest experiences I've done and one of the most amazing experiences as well. Um, I was a bit surprised I got through the first two weeks um, because I did get very homesick. Um, Quite a bit of culture shock, actually. I remember sitting in Seattle Airport and thinking, oh, this is really weird. I've just been to the shop and I've been paying... Um, for my for my sweets or whatever it was in, in American dollars. I don't know what a nickel or a dime is. Um, and CNN is on the TV. It was a bit like, well, where exactly am I? Um, and then when I arrived at the airport where um, uh, near the university, the most strangest experience, it's actually smaller than Ronald's Way. Um, it was a tiny little hut. The arrivals lounge and departure lounge was all in the same room. Um, there wasn't a conveyor belt and this metal shutter came up and basically they just chucked your bags at you from across the other side of this metal shutter and you're like oh okay I'm in America I thought it was going to be really big and massive as everything you see on the TV is and I was actually somewhere that seemed even smaller than Ronald's way um, so that was quite a culture shock to be honest but really great experience and overall how significant would you say winning that scholarship was for you totally life changing really I mean like I said it was um, a challenge to set up your own bank account out there and and, and all those sort of things I did have a host family helped them um, so much um, I still keep in touch with their family but um, it's you know it gave me a lot more confidence in myself to be able to um, think that I could do stuff myself on my own without having mum and dad there to help me all the time because I had to do it on my own Um, and yeah I made some amazing friends from all over the world some really like international friends and yeah it was a really amazing experience if anyone gets the opportunity female graduate in your last year at uni if you get a letter from the government to go on the LLS and scholarship apply for it whatever you do. Well, once that scholarship ended, there weren't any forecasting jobs available here on the island, but you did come back over Mm -hmm. here. You worked at M&S and then Manx Telecom, but then an opportunity did come up, just not over here. Where was it? It was in Exeter. The UK Met Office had um, um, a training course, which is the one that um, if I'd have been taking on as a trainee here, you would get sent to Exeter to do the forecaster training there. Um, So it was a course that I needed anyway, but I 
took upon myself to go and do that because there wasn't a job here and it was something I really wanted to do. So I thought, well, at some point in the future, I can always come back to Ireland. I need this course and this qualification first to be able to come back. So let's go over there and do that. And um, actually, Exeter's a really lovely place. Um, it's only about 15 minutes from the sea, which was good. So not quite so bad if I was homesick. Um, drive five minutes outside Exeter. It was green fields. So, um, yeah, it was probably one of the best places to go for someone that was still quite a homely person, really. We're going to talk more about that in just a moment, but uh, tell us about the third piece of music you've chosen. Um, this piece of music is like um, uh, is one that often reminds me of basically one of my friends sent me a DVD and it was the DVD of Waking Ned um, and it was when I was at university. And when I opened it inside, the little note said, for whenever you're feeling homesick, watch this. And this is the first song. It's the Water Boys and Fisherman's Blues and it's the first song you hear as they shoot in over the top of the calf of man at the beginning of the film. Tumbling on the seas Far away from dry land And its bitter memories Casting out my sweet life With abandoned and love Waterboys, Fisherman's Blues from the film Waking Ned, a film that uh, Kirsty Pendlebury used to ease the homesickness. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those films, isn't it, that always makes you laugh, really. And so certainly by the end of it, I think um, even if I had been feeling sad and homesick, you'd been giggling so much all the way through, it made you feel a bit better by the end of it. <laughs> so we've just been talking about your move to Exeter to take up a weather forecasting training course. Um, it does sound like it was a really intense mm-hmm. course that you had to do there. Yeah, basically it was a 14-week course. Um, The first seven weeks we did and then we had a practical and theory exam and then we did the next seven weeks, did the same again after that. And once I'd finished that course, then we did a four-month on-the-job training, which for me was at the UK Met Office um, Operations Centre in Exeter, so upstairs from where I'd been studying. Um, And it was um, basically started off by sitting alongside a forecaster who was doing all the work and then gradually you started to do little bits and then it got to the stage where you were doing all of it but somebody else was 
was checking it for you before you sent it. And then I had to have um, four 12-hour shifts with an assessor sat next to me and um, watching everything I was doing, checking I was doing everything right, that all the warnings were correct and everything. And then after those four assessments, um, I became a qualified forecaster then. So from the start of my course in the February, it took me until the December to become qualified. So um, it was quite a long and quite an intense time, but um, it was really good to be finally sort of doing what I wanted to do and put it into practical use and actually write forecasts for people as well. And it needs to be that because it is a job that has a huge amount of responsibility with it. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, the whole point of the job is we want to try to make sure that people have the most up-to-date and accurate information on what the weather's going to do and to keep people safe, really, especially in the winter. Obviously, we get some really severe weather um, and it's, it's just to make sure that people are aware of that and can prepare for that as well. We've just been looking out the window here mm-hmm. uh, at the top of <laughs> Douglas Head and um, in a rather naive question possibly in the same way that somebody can read tea leaves for example can you read clouds <laughs> yeah certainly different types of card tell you different pieces of information and as I said to you if you look to the left we can see some blue sky still and if you look out the right hand window there's no blue sky and lots of cloud um, and that certainly looks like that weather system that's moving in and we're going to bring some rain later on is um, heading our way unfortunately um, probably just in time for the practices down south to be honest that's uh, probably a uh, standard time I would imagine it'll arrive <laughs> oh and sometimes you do have to be the bearer of that bad news yeah you do um uh, uh, do you know what we always take the blame like we always end up getting the blame when the weather's bad but all that nice sunshine you've all been enjoying I've definitely been involved in, in organizing that so I get the credit for the good weather too Women today. And this is Conister Rocks on Manx Radio, and we're with Ronald's Way Met Office weather forecaster Kirsty Pendlebury today, and she's sharing with us some memories and music. So, Kirsty, you qualified in Exeter at the end of 2011, worked there for a bit, and at the start of 2013, a very, very welcome opportunity came up. Yeah, Rem, I finally saw a job advert for the forecaster at Ronald's Way Met Office. Um, I looked at it and it, it was looking for somebody with a bit more experience than, than I had at the time. Um, I think it wanted three years experience. I'd been qualified about a year and a half. Um, but I thought, well, might as well put my application and see what happens, really. Um, the, I was due to actually go off to Gibraltar for um, five weeks to work, in, or five months, sorry, to work um, with the UK Met Office instead. But um, that never ended up happening. <laughs> Do you remember the moment you were offered the job? Yeah, mum and I had decided to go out for a walk after my interview and we were walking from Port St. Mary um, along Gansey and halfway along Gansey uh, just by the junction to Port Erin is actually we, the phone rang and I was like oh my gosh mum it's the phone and I remember stood there and then answering it and then and hearing that down the phone over oh, we'd really like to offer you the job and just being stood there thinking oh my gosh I've actually managed to get where I wanted this is incredible you know um, and my dad was coming to meet us at, um, at the at the shore and we actually stopped there and I was like dad I'm coming home <laughs> oh and that must be hugely emotional because you say you are so close to your parents and you really do well you say that you owe them so much in, in getting where you've got today yeah definitely I wouldn't be here I wouldn't be doing this job without and um, without having their support basically and um, there's quite a few times over the years that I've lost my confidence and belief in myself but they had they always had it they never doubted it and um, they you know there was quite a few times they've had to pick me up and put me back on my feet again and you know to the extent they went out and bought a Skype phone so when I was in America I could actually call at any time of the day or night um, to call and speak to them if I was homesick so um, I really have everything to thank them for really um what do you do when you have achieved your dream at such a young age 
I'm, I'm still trying to work that out a little bit. Um, I think that's been one of the hardest things. I mean, at the moment, it's been trying to be the best forecaster I can be, really. And there is so many quirky little local factors um, on the island that needs to be taken into account when you write forecasts. And I think at the moment, I just I'm continually trying to improve myself and try to, like, you know, do as best I can all the time. Um, any forecaster ever tells you they get it right 100% of the time, they're clearly lying because, unfortunately, the nature of, of the weather, you just can't do that. Um, but it's good to try and get as close as you can to it. And I'm sure people are quick to point out when you get things wrong. Oh, yeah, definitely. But I make sure I point out when I've got it right as well. <laughs> the Max Radio broadcasts um, are an integral part of your job. How did you feel about that? part of the job um if i'm completely honest to start with i was really apprehensive about it and not so much necessarily just the reading of the forecast but also like the interaction with with all the presenters and things as well which is a bit overwhelming and a bit daunting to start with but i think quite gradually once you start doing it and you you interact with those people and you know who they are and what to expect then it's a lot easier now to do it um, than it was when i first started okay it's time for your fourth piece of music tell us about this one um yeah this one is one that always reminds me of my time at exeter um Halfway through the training course, we went um, for a break for a long weekend down to Newquay to sort of have a chill out. Um, the entire course went, there was 19 of us, hired two static caravans, and we went out for the night, and this song was really big that year, and it was played all the time. And me and my friend Katie at the time, um, we absolutely loved it, and after, as you do, one, one or two drinks, decided, oh, this would be a really good idea. Every time you hear it, them say floor, you, we should do a squat. And, and we, so we did for the, through the whole song. Um, unfortunately, the day after, we really couldn't move because um, if you listen to how many times she says the word floor, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from. Let me introduce you to my party people in the Yeah, she says it a few times. I'm quite relieved you didn't do, you know, start doing some squats here. I was a little apprehensive you were going to make us do that. But uh, yeah, an interesting tune there. Um, so 
at the end of this TT, Kirsty, you're going to be celebrating five years at Ronald's Way Met Office. Mm-hmm. And it seems, um, and I don't know, I don't work there, but it does seem like it's a very close-knit team. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I really like just think of the guys as part of the family now. Do you know what I mean? Um, they've been great. They helped me a lot when I first started. Um, shared a lot of local knowledge and experience with me. Um, because a lot of that stuff you've got to learn once you're here and you're actually doing it. Obviously, coming from the Isle Man, you tend to know that normally the airport's in fog and Ramsey's going to be sunny. But there's a lot of other little... Um, little uh uh, local factors that you don't always know about that you learn once you're starting to forecast for this island. An infamous weather moment that is indelibly linked in many people's minds. Um, I'm just going back to the idea mm-hmm. of people blaming forecasters for mistakes. And that's um, Michael Fish in 1987 when he told people not to worry. There was no hurricane on the way. That evening, the worst storm to hit southeast England actually caused record damage. And I think it was 19 people, mm-hmm. I think, were killed. So from a forecaster's point of view, how responsible personally was he for that? I'm sure that he probably was feeling quite guilty about it the day after. I mean, there are situations even now and it's on a much smaller scale where people will call me and they'll be asking for something, whether it be rain because they want to concrete or go out and paint somewhere and then unfortunately a shower develops like five miles off the south of the island and like drops rain everywhere um, and that's going to obviously it's even something little like that you feel like you've let somebody down by telling them something and it's it not going right but at the end of the day we're only trying to give like the best information that we can at the time and it, like I said before it's not 100% accurate I wish it was um, and there are going to be times that it goes wrong um, for example this, this weather system that's coming in this evening um, when I was in work the other day it was going to happen on Saturday afternoon then it was going to happen 12 o'clock today the timing on it has been changing all the time Um, there are still errors in the computer models that we use and it's not always going to be right and that's why sometimes your apps aren't right as well so it's always better speaking to us at Ronald's Way (laughs) Um, There's a lot of talk um, now about climate change and its impact on the weather is that something that you've seen in your time as a forecaster? Um, yeah, I mean, when I did um, for my dissertation at university, actually, I did um, a bit of a little bit of a study on climate change on the Isle of Man, and I did find that over the thirty-year period that I was looking at, that air temperatures had gone up by a degree, um, and the sea temperatures um, had as well, and the the number of air frost and ground frost had had really significantly decreased over that time. So it's certainly something that I I believe in, and I think that's that's happening. Obviously, everybody has their own opinion of it, but. Um, I think we're certainly seeing a lot more in the way of extremes, to be honest. Reading the weather is a 24-hour job. I mean, you Mm -hmm. all work shifts down there. I mean, that must play havoc with your body clock. Yeah, sometimes your body gets pretty confused whether you're meant to be eating or sleeping. Um, But at the end of the day, I think you just sort of... Most of the time, your body gets used to it. Um, It's just... You, the pattern is the same it rolls on every week so you know when when you're going to be in when you're not um and you know you know when you try and program your sleep and when you're going to sleep best to make sure that you can like get through it but um it is difficult and it's hard because sometimes you do feel like you're missing out on things because you are in work as well but um you mentioned the fact that when you were studying actually there were more women on your course than men for the first time which is brilliant is that still a trend that we're seeing um, uh, yeah, I think so. There was, it certainly seemed on the on the courses um, at Exeter there was there was more girls than there were guys on there, and that was one of the first times it had been as well. And since then, there's still been quite a lot of girls um, going into science and into forecasting. So yeah, I think so. When it comes to you switching off and relaxing, um, you've set yourself a little bit of a challenge, which I'm guessing is fairly weather dependent in itself. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to forecast the weather right to do it, aren't I? Um, yeah, this year I've decided that I really want to walk um, the whole of the Radnorfolian in sections. Um, 
on and off at times because I enjoy walking on the arm but there's certain parts of the island that I've of the coastline I've certainly not seen I've seen a lot from um, Castletown round to like Port Erin um, but um, to be honest all the way down the, the east coast of the island is something that I've really not seen much of so mum and I have started with that at the moment we've done from um, the end of Ronald's Way's uh, runway all the way around to the sound so the next section to do is the sound to Port Erin <laughs> I can't let you escape without talking about your little obsession with Midsummer Murders <laughs> yeah I've, I've I don't really know how I got into it, but I started watching them and I really enjoyed them. And um, the, the original ones uh, with um, with uh, John Nettles and um, Sergeant Troy. And yeah, I had a bit of a thing for Sergeant Troy. I quite liked him. I felt that I always felt bad for how like Inspector Barnaby was always seemed to be a bit mean with, to him and put him down quite a bit. So um, yeah, but um, I actually subscribed rather sadly to one of the Midsummer Murders magazine things. Who knew there was such a thing? <laughs> exactly, and you used to get a DVD sent through with it. So each week I had a, a a book that showed you what Midsummer looked like, where all the different people lived, and everything, so you could try and work out who did it. There's no more to be said about that, Kirsty. <laughs> it has been so, so lovely to have you with us today. And I managed not to ask you what the weather is going to be like for the next couple of weeks. Um, actually, well, obviously, minus the blip this evening. <laughs> um, tomorrow's looking good. Most of Sunday's looking good. There may be a bit more in the way of showers Sunday evening. And then, actually, as we head into practice week, it's looking pretty nice. Oh, so we wouldn't venture too much further than the, the middle of next week, but certainly at the moment, it's looking pretty fair. And the temperatures out there are rather lovely, aren't they, when the wind's not too strong? So, not bad at all, really. You have been listening to Conister Rocks here on Manx Radio, and this programme will be available on the Manx Radio website to download as a podcast. But to play us out, we are going to hear Kirsty Pendlebury's fifth and final track. What have you chosen and why? Um, I've chosen this song because um, uh, it's, I've been to see this particular group quite a few times, three different times um, with my parents. It's something that we always do. My parents have always believed in giving me memories rather than presents. So we would normally go and, and see different um groups and uh, take that is one of our favorites and um, it was one of the first ones we went to and we were sitting right up right at the very top at Wembley um, to see them and um, the, just the words to this song as well are very special for me with them but they every time I hear it, it always reminds me of me and my mum and dad um, sitting up at the top of Wembley and it's um, the greatest day. Well Kirsty Pendlebury it has been a pleasure being with you this afternoon I get out there and enjoy the sunshine before the rain comes in. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Today this could be the greatest day of our lives Before it all ends, before we run out of time Stay close to me, stay close to me Yeah.
Today 